0: I am Dr. Mitch Harlan, and welcome to the Truth Talks Podcast. This week's episode features incredible faith, unconditional love, and amazing courage. Adam and Whitney Dinkle hear for the first time that their unborn son has spina bifida. They are faced with challenges that only they can describe. Tune in as we discuss this miracle four-year-old internet sensation that has touched the world Look, <laughs> walkie, welcome to truth talks podcast I'm dr. Mitch Harlan, and I am here today with Adam and Whitney Dinkle and we're going to be going over the defying Defying the Odds, Roman's Journey. How are you guys? Good. Good. Feeling good, Roman? Yeah, yeah. I like your glasses. Are those new? Yeah, they are. So you guys are not shy of the camera. You've been on it quite a bit. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And tell me how that's been. Is that uh, something you enjoy or you kind of like over it?
1: Um, it's, I mean, it's, Nice to share Roman's journey because that's why we started his Facebook page anyways um, but it is it can kind of become a lot after a lot of like or a couple years ago when we were doing interview after interview after interview it was it was a lot but not bad
0: I remember seeing that I mean it, it, you've done a lot of interviews and we're going to talk about that kind of as we get going but today's podcast is a little bit different. We're actually going to, to really talk about the, the story behind the scenes, which is your guys' story. Um, you know, there is no defying the odds without the support of the parents and, and kind of all that you guys have been through and went through, and uh, we're going to talk all about that. I know you guys have a huge following, and I, what I really want to do is, is kind of highlight who you guys are, because that is, um, is, to me, one of the most impressive things about this entire story. So I, I want to just kind of go along uh, on a few things here. You have three children, right? Yep. And none of the births were easy. Is that correct?
2: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give me a little synopsis just of the three what you went through.
2: So Layton is our oldest. Layton's eight years old. Um, we uh, went in at about almost 39 weeks with him because she went into labor, and uh, <clears throat> basically the end story is um he was frank breach so we had to get rushed off for an emergency c-section for him um they pulled him out and he was purple he had an Apgar score of one and the nurse came over and told us he had down syndrome so we had to wait about two weeks until genetic testing came back to show us that he actually didn't have down syndrome um but it was a pretty wild ride to to deal with that for the first two weeks especially his new parents and we were newly married at that time and it
1: was, um, it was Scary. interesting.
0: Scary. That was number one. Tell us about number two.
1: Um, so number two is Gracie. She is almost six years old now. Um, she was born on July 3rd, almost made it 4th of July. Um, but when I was about 22 ish, I think yeah. or so, 22 ish or so weeks with her, um, I called Adam at the office one day because I just started having like these terrible pains in my stomach and I didn't know what was going on. It made me get sick. And so he came home that night and I was just like curled up in a ball in bed. And he's like, that is not normal. And so he called our midwife and she was like, yeah, you probably better go in and get checked out. So we went in and found out that I was having appendicitis. So I had to have my appendix removed while I was pregnant with Gracie.
0: And then number three.
1: And number three is Roman. And his, <laughs> um, his journey was not easy either. Um, at our 20-week ultrasound with him, uh, we found out that not everything was right with him.
0: And we're going to go into all of that, right? Um, but I think it was kind of interesting to highlight that you guys were three for three now. I know a lot of our audience and, and people don't know you, but um, number four, what are we looking at?
2: <laughs> we already had another
0: dog. There is no number four. It's it. You guys are like, no, we made it three. We're I done. I was We're like, done. Wait.
1: Uh, Yeah. No, I had my tubes tied so. up. <laughs>
0: you know, probably a pretty.
2: I worry about <laughs> that.
0: Yeah. Number four would have been a, that's a heck of a roll of dice when you're three for three with that kind of story.
1: Well, it's funny because I look back on my pregnancies and I'm like, oh, I had great pregnancies. And then I'm like, actually, I really didn't at all. But for some reason, it, I mean, with Layton and Gracie especially, like my pregnancies were great other than, you know, Layton's birth. And then Gracie, me having to have my appendix out, but everything else was good. Yeah,
2: labor and delivery on Gracie was about as perfect as it could have
1: gotten. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, we can't have a podcast without uh, highlighting a little bit of the star of the show. So, Roman, how are you? Are you having a good day so far?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tell,
0: tell me what you enjoy doing. You you love swimming, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. What else do you enjoy doing? What about Disney? You like Disney? Yeah. You got to go there, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about Roman's uh, place down, like in Disney. He he's got to go all over the place, hasn't he? He's been in New York.
2: Oh Yeah. yeah. Well. He has been traveling more than probably most of our kids, but we went to his first big trip was New York City when we went on to GMA Day, um, which was like a 36-hour adventure of flying down there, staying a night, and we flew with Maggie too when Maggie was a puppy. So um, having to fly with a puppy in Times Square with no baths <laughs> go to the bathroom, um, and then him, um, and then the show was an adventure itself. It was really cool, but. It's, uh, it's always a little stressful doing those things, but it turned out really well, and he did good.
0: That, that's a well-traveled young man.
2: Yes, he
0: is. That's pretty awesome. Do you like airplanes, Roman? Yeah. Do you? You like to fly? You like to be high in the air? Yeah. Me too. I enjoy that too. I love, his, I love the things that you guys do with, when you, you know, you're filming him at night. I mean, of course, uh, we're family, so we're going to watch it all, but those are actually really entertaining and really awesome how he does that. Uh, he's not shy of the camera, is he? No,
2: yeah, especially if he's getting ready to go to bed and, um, he wants to be a giant ham so he can stay up later. So that's when <laughs> most of his videos are done at probably 7.30, 8 o'clock at night because
1: But if he ever doesn't want to do one, we don't do it. I mean, it's totally up to him.
0: Does he ever not want to do it?
2: Oh yeah. He's, he's four, you know.
0: <laughs>
2: he has opinions.
0: So everything about being a four-year-old is exactly about being a four-year-old with him too. Yeah. There is no difference.
1: No. Now how,
0: now how is he on, How is he on the uh level of where he should be? Is he right where he needs to be?
1: Uh mentally and cognitively, yes, he's right where he should be. He is um behind with his gross motor skills. Um and fine
2: motor skills he's pretty much caught up with. Right? Yeah,
1: he's still getting OT, but he um uh, he's pretty good on his fine motor skills, but he is a little bit behind um, with his gross motors, but he can he can keep up with his classmates pretty
0: well, I think. Well, he, um, you know, I was kind of um, I was kind of jealous. He, um, Roman, did you uh, enjoy hanging out with the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. You know, okay. I haven't got to hang out with the Ch- Kansas City Chiefs, and that's what I really want to do. You got a you got a shoe from somebody.
1: Who gave you who shoe was that? You remember? Yeah. Who? No. Pat Mahomes gave him Travis Kelsey's signed shoe, or cleat,
0: I guess. Oh my and goodness. And the Kansas City Royals. He's hung out with the Kansas City Royals. Yes, he has. That
1: was a blast, too. He got- a and, okay. and, and they
2: got a ball. They did a ball. get a ball. They
0: gave you a ball? I saw you got to hang out with the cheerleaders, too. Yeah. Did they think you were pretty cute? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet they did. And didn't you get to run a tee out or something, or you had a tee or something on a kickoff thing or something?
2: He got the game ball at the Chiefs game, right? Yeah, yeah so and,
1: we, we got to be on the field for the opening ceremonies and stuff. Uh, With, uh, uh, and I, get to walk, I got to walk on it. He got he to got walk, walk on, the on the it.
2: Milk. Got to
0: walk on the field. Oh, my goodness. I've not even gotten to walk on the field. I want to. Well, Roman, I loved having you on. Uh, this is fun. You look good. I love your hair. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: Bye, Bye. you sweet little thing, you. Oh, love you. So you as dad, um, interesting journey for you. Absolutely. It's been, uh, it, it's one of those things, again, you know, when, when I'm doing a podcast, especially with somebody that I know real well, um, you know, I know you had that nervous energy, and we're going to get to that a little bit later, and we're going to talk about, you know, what it's like when you find out something like that's going on. And kind of, again, you being a doctor with a lot of knowledge that you had and kind of going into it, um, we're going to kind of get to all of that too. Cause uh, again, this is the highlight of your story. This is the highlight of, of what you guys have been through, what you did, some decisions you made. Uh, and we're going to highlight all that cause I think you guys have done just an absolutely spectacular job with it.
2: Well, thank you.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. Well,
2: too, but I mean, and I do have a little bit, I mean, you know, I have more of an anxious personality and, um, and Whitney's my, she's like Rod, you know, she's, calm and collected and um, is able to just be chill with a lot of this stuff so we are definitely the yin and the yang to what we deal with but we balance out pretty well and my anxious energy is what gets stuff done so
0: I would I would have needed that too because I'm I'm very similar to you in in the fact that when something like that happens you know I can almost handle anything in life but if I think there's something with my kids, that just that sends me through the roof. I mean, m- way more than business, way more than anything else. I it's one of those things where I'm literally like you. You can feel that anxious tension and that energy kind of kind of rolling up. And and um and man, you went through it three times. Yeah, <laughs> that's not easy.
2: But well, I mean, it's crazy just to see how kind of God prepares you for this stuff. You know, I mean, it's um you know, and you don't look at it. It's all in hindsight. So like Whitney said, you know, our pregnancies didn't seem too crazy, but once you start kind of putting the pieces together, uh, you see how all of this plays a part to, Oh, well now we were mentally getting prepared to have a child with special needs. And now we are having a surgery during pregnancy and then we throw it all together for Roman. And then we have a child with special needs and had surgery during pregnancy. So it's, um, it's crazy.
0: That's a phenomenal segment. And that, and that's exactly where we're going to go with this. Um, uh because again this story is just it touches it touches worldwide and that's what's incredible about the story is the the story behind the scenes the story that they don't know but they're getting ready to know it right now because we're gonna we're gonna talk about that let i want to jump right into it so you have the ultrasound of roman and you know something's wrong tell me a little bit about that once you got that ultrasound
2: so we went in for just our honestly I didn't even want to do the ultrasound. Um, you know, we didn't think it was necessary or I didn't at that time. Um, but we ended up doing it. Something was kind of pulling us towards it. And now we know it was definitely the Holy spirit, but, um, we went in for this ultrasound and I honestly sat there and listened and watched and we weren't going to find out the sex of our third. It was going to be a surprise. Uh, so we just went through and talking, but Whitney felt something was a little off during it. I mean, I'm, Obviously. Well, from
1: the very beginning of my pregnancy, I felt like something was off. I I was just so nervous. I just couldn't be calm. And I thought that's because um, I had had a miscarriage before. And I just thought that I was just like, just worried about that. So my um, midwife actually did an ultrasound way early on, just so I could see the heartbeat and know that everything was good. And that gave me a little bit of peace for a little bit. But then still something was like pulling at me like, just, I don't know, just in the back of my head, just something didn't seem right. So then we were at the ultrasound, and the, um, the ultrasound tech kind of got quiet. She was talking to us at first, and then you could tell she was, like, concentrating a little bit more. So um, that's when I knew. I was like, oh, my gosh. And he, he didn't care at all. I mean, he had no. It's very nothing. typical of her life in general. And <laughs> right. so when we left that room, she said, good luck with everything, and I was like, oh my gosh, and, and still, he's like, one Well, it's I funny, because
2: little comments like that I would normally pick up on and really overanalyze, and she did for that particular time.
1: Yeah, so I remember sitting out in the waiting room before we went and saw our midwife, and he was, like, sending the ultrasound pictures to our family, and I saw my midwife, like, go down another hallway. I was being a huge creeper. And um, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's going to talk to the ultrasound lady. And I just knew it. Like, I just knew this was not good. So we went back into the room, and um, she – what did she say when she came in? Yeah,
2: she walked in and was like, you know, I've known you guys for a long time. I'm just going to cut it to you straight. There's something we're seeing on the ultrasound that isn't right. Um, He's got fluid built up around his spine and some extra fluid in his brain. And she basically said, there's nothing, we kind of asked a couple of questions and she's like, you know, there's nothing information I can give you with this. We have to get you over to do uh, a level two ultrasound with what we call an MFM, which is a maternal fetal medicine specialist. And level two is exact same ultrasound. It's just read and interpreted by a different level of physician at that point. So this was Friday afternoon. And she said, the earliest they can get you in is Monday. So um, that- probably the longest two and a half days I think I've had Um, I remember going to our church and um, I was serving at our church at that time and just being kind of circled with our pastors and then praying over us and just praying for like this complete miracle that something was wrong and you know that or something was mistaken and everything's okay with them and you know it was uh
1: really trying just to stay positive and trying not to think about it which is Really hard to do. Um, well, that's
0: a tough two days. I mean, my goodness, that, that I can't even imagine. Were you having any symptoms or you just had this intuition that something wasn't quite right? No, I
1: mean, I didn't have any sort of symptoms or anything. I just, just an intuition, Oh, So you
0: had this kind of intuition, and then you find out this is going on. Was it a kind of a relief, though, um, that she just shot it straight with you versus not giving you any information? or
1: No. <laughs> so it
0: was worse. The two days, you're like, oh, my goodness.
2: Well, and it's hard. it's hard because I know what those look like, and I knew her saying it was a neurotube tube defect, um, and we just didn't know the severity of it. You know, there's there's a lot of different severities, and Roman could be kind of in the middle of it. You know, there could be a lot of things, a lot a lot of things that are worse with that. So, you know, I just
1: I asked her straight up. I was like, "Is my baby gonna die?" And she was like, "No, I don't think it's anything like that." She was like, he may have to have, like, a surgery after he's born or something. But she just – she didn't want to say too much because she honestly had never seen anything like that before. Um, so she was just like, let's just go to the specialist, see what he says, and she kind of just left it pretty vague. Now, like at
0: that. this point in time, there's no no diagnosis. Nobody's saying anything. they're They're just telling you this.
1: Yeah, and we were like, well, people make mistakes, you know. Maybe it is a mistake. Like, maybe everything is fine, and they just – he was just laying weird or, you know, something. We were just really hopeful and prayerfully hoping. <laughs> I don't know if it's not right. Anyways, really just hoping that everything was just a mistake and that we were going go to go into our level two ultrasound and they were going to be like, no, everything's great. You guys are great. I don't even know why you're here. Well, that's,
0: yeah, that's wonderful. And that's the one thing I, that I really want to touch on on this topic with you guys is I know your faith is strong. And, and you've already alluded to it, Adam, but that I think is, is something really huge. And that's why I love this story. It's such a feel good story. And, and, uh, we've done some pretty heavy podcasts here lately and, and we've got some in the queue coming up and, and, um, it is kind of interesting how faith plays such a role when it comes to something this big. And it obviously did with you guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah. When there's no one else to rely on, I mean, that's, we had each other and we had God and, um, you know, that's kind of what we agreed we were going to base our marriage off of when we got married.
1: And because of our faith, we knew that everything was going to be okay, no matter what happened.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I've got some, I've got some questions coming up for you because I, I think that, you know, everybody listening, um, you know, it's got to shake you, it's got to shake you to the core and then you got to make some decisions. So we're going to go from, let's go from that to, um, then the diagnosis. So you, you meet with this, uh, specialist.
1: Yeah. So we go into this room, it's dark. I don't even know. I remember looking at all the people in the waiting room being like, this is not us. Like we should not be here. Like we, things like this don't happen to us, you know, yeah. we're young, we're healthy. Like this isn't just the way it should be. And so we go back to the room and I, it's a pretty big blur to me what all happened.
2: I um well, he was pretty quick to give us a diagnosis at that point. He went through the scan and was like, okay, it looks like your son has a myelomeningocele uh, or not son at that point. He didn't tell us the sex, but um, has a myelomeningocele, it's a form of spina bifida. It's pretty low. Um, there's a few options that we have with this particular case. This um, comment, his first comment was, you know, we live in the United States so your first option is termination um and threw it out there and he even made some comment like this isn't something i would do
1: no you i think you asked
2: him oh yeah at the end what he would do so yeah so he said that and then he said your second option is kind of the um the typical medical intervention for it which is a postnatal repair which that is, so they would schedule a c section for him um have him come out and then at that point usually within a couple hours They would um, take him into surgery and repair his spine, but he would have to have a little bit more like hospital time and recovery time. And then he said, there's a a third option, which is a new option. It's called a fetal repair. So they would go in and fix him at, um, you know, 25, 30 weeks, um, and decide what going to fix him at that point. And then when he, she'd have a second C-section at the, when 37 38 weeks and then um he'd be repaired by the time he came out
0: now they're and telling you this and um i already know you um you heard meningeal seal. being a doctor absolutely what what was your first thought
2: i mean it, there was a lot of thoughts at that point but i know how severe this stuff is you know there's nothing like having a child and picturing his life flash before your eyes before he's even born you know of Surgery upon surgery upon surgery and then wheelchair and bowel and bladder issues. And then they give you this like Xeroxed sheet that has all this information, which is somewhat accurate, somewhat outdated, um, but just something that
1: basically the worst case scenario of what could happen.
0: Now, is this, is this, this was not the surgeon though, right? No. No. Okay. So this is, this is the specialist that you're meeting there and he's giving you these options. What'd you do? What'd you guys do when you were driving home? Were you did you discuss every option? Did you lay it all out? Did you did you consider each one of the options equally?
2: I remember uh, we were driving over to her brother's house um, because that's where our kids were, and I remember driving down the exact same street, um, exactly where we were. And I just remember closing my eyes and thanking God for this, even though it hurt and it was crazy. I mean, there were a lot of tears shed on that drive home. It wasn't like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do this it's going to be fantastic. Um,
1: that I was mean, easily the worst day of my life.
0: Yeah. Thank for you for sure. your honesty on that. I, and I think that's so important. It's so important for people to hear. Um, cause I know Hi. you and I talked about it. Um, and, and I remember that conversation vividly cause I, I remember after we hung up the phone, I was thinking, man, what would I do? Um, that there's all kinds of decisions that you make and your brain gets kind of colluded and cloudy because I'm the same way as you, Adam, I would think, Okay, man, what's his what's his life gonna look like? And then you got that balance of, you know, am I am I bringing a child into this world that that's going to completely struggle? And and man, that that is like uh, it's one of the toughest decisions ever, I think.
2: Well, and yeah, it's the I'm, big picture thing too of of you know our other kids, you know, and how this is going to affect them. Um, well, you know. before
1: I even thought of any of that, like I remember sitting in the chair crying after he gave us this diagnosis and i was like you know he said termination and i was like are we making the right decision to keep him is he going to suffer you know his whole life like is that selfish of us to to want to keep him and then i was like what do you i mean what do you do you terminate this baby try to have another perfect baby what if that what if something's wrong with that baby like you can't i can't play god I'm not God. I'm here to do what God wants me to do. And he gave us this child for a reason, just the way he is. And that was my big thoughts. And it, it just, it all happened so fast. And then that's when we were driving home and we driving to go get our kids from my sister-in-law who had them. And I remember her praying with us and it was, I mean, it was hard.
0: You know, you know, one of the things that that I know about you, Whitney, and, and, um, you know, your grandmother, my mom, of course, in that whole lineage of of women, I've never I I can't even fathom uh, find a better mom. Uh, You know, my mom, the way she is you, the way you are with your kids. um, Gosh, Shane with her kids, uh, your mom to you. I mean, she would do Mm -hmm. anything. She'd drive a million miles to come help you guys out with the kids. You know, you 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 are some of the strongest women, strongest mothers I've I've probably ever seen, and that's why, you you you're skipping ahead of me here. I had this whole fantastic line of questioning, and here you are, you're you're already going over it with me. But that's all right; it's the way I like to do it. Um, I I really did want to focus in a lot on you with that decision, knowing your feelings and your emotions towards it. Uh, again, from the start, termination was not even in in the playbook with you, right?
1: I mean, it was that split second thought in my head like you know are we being selfish and it was a split second and then I was like no it doesn't matter our feelings like God gave us him just the way he is like it doesn't matter we need to do this is what God wants and we know as Christians to trust in God and that everything's going to be okay. So
0: you made that decision it's like all right here we go next level so then what happens?
1: Then I was like okay, what do we need to do to give him the best life possible? And that's when fetal surgery really came into play.
2: And realize this appointment was like at 7.30 in the morning. We're talking, all these decisions are made by one o'clock that afternoon. So this isn't like five days of sitting around thinking, you know, this is...
1: We don't have the luxury of time when you're talking fetal surgery. It has to be done by 25 weeks gestation or you don't get to do it. So, it was quick.
0: And why did you choose fetal surgery over the surgery post-birth?
1: So, um, after we got home, the fetal surgery center from St. Louis, um, through Cardinal Glennon in St. Louis, gave us a call. And she was basically, she's a nurse, and she um, answered any questions we had about it. And we had a lot, obviously. Um, So, I just, like, picked her brain and... So basically, the main differences with having fetal surgery is number one, it could decrease his chances of needing a shunt because with spina bifida, you typically have hydrocephalus also, and he did. Um, I think it decreased the chances by 40%.
2: I think it, yeah, I mean, it was like 80% of kids without fetal repair get a shunt placed, and I think it was 50%. after so fetal repair kids have a 50 percent chance so the 30 percent decrease
1: yeah so there was that um there was his walking so you have you have his lesion level where his spine is out of his body and that was at like l3 they told us which means that from his knees down he would be could be paralyzed um <clears throat> and having fetal surgery you get his back closed and with it being closed, then no more damage can be done. So by 25 weeks, there would be no more damage done. If we waited until birth, he could still be having damage to those nerves all the way until 40 weeks. So they give you like, I think the, I don't know, is it the odds or, yeah I don't know. they So instead of having like an L3 lesion, he would function more at like an L5 lesion. It
2: was two different, two lesion levels down. So, Most The lower you go down in your spine with this lesion level, the better function you'll have overall.
1: The better chances of walking, and that was a big deal, and then um, he also had what is called a Chiari type 2 malformation, so his brain was being pulled down into his spinal cord, Um, and then having fetal surgery could completely reverse that, and his brain would go back up to where it should be, and... Some kids who have a Chiari malformation have a lot of trouble with that. They, they have to have a trach. They can't eat. I mean, a lot of difficulties with that. So that was a big deal, too. So with all that being said, um, I heard good, 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 and I was like, okay, this is what we need to do. Um, but those things, those are just chances, and that's when...
2: And the way I look at it, she looks at it from the good, good, good. I look at it from the risk, risk, risk. I knew that
0: was coming. That's exactly what I was going to ask.
2: So that poor nurse, her name was Kate. Um, she was the nurse coordinator. She got grilled by me um, for all the questions that I need. I, I always kind of smell cell and, and medical. So I know there's this new procedure that they're doing and, you know, this wanting this data and all this stuff. So I look at it from that perspective on, you know, do we want to be a subject in the study, which is really not the case. split we'll and find that out later. But, um, or, you know, or we want to just kind of stick where it is. The thing with me is, you know, she's looking at it from the perspective of, I'm gonna do anything I can to give my baby the best possible life. And that's kind of where she was at. I look at it from the perspective of, oh, we're gonna have this surgery that could possibly risk losing my baby, but on top of that, risk losing my wife. Um, so then I have the situation where are we pushing this? And how would I look at it if we if I said yes to this, she went into this surgery and had uterine rupture or something and, and passed away. And we lost the, the mom of my two kids and my baby on the process of something that wasn't really quite necessary at that time.
0: Yes. That's uh, right down my question list. That's exactly what I, what I knew you would probably go down. But Whitney, in your case, you, you were go, right. You're like, he's got, these are the best odds, best chance. Let's go.
1: Yep. I was, and he was like, and then there was also the aspect of like, how are we going to make this work? Like, I was for sure going to have to be gone two full weeks, but depending on how I did after surgery, I could potentially have had to stay there throughout the entire pregnancy. So we had two young kids. Gracie was eight, not even 18 months yet. And Layton was two, three, just turned three. I think.
2: No, he was almost four.
1: Okay. Just turned four. I don't know.
0: A lot going on.
1: (laughs) Um, So I had never even left Gracie. Like it was a big deal for me to leave my kids. Like I'm not, I don't leave them. They're home with me all the time. So there was that. Um, and then
2: I had my practice. So decide, and that was our one source of income that we had. So the idea of having to take off all of this time, you know, and be back and forth and who's going to take care of our other kids while this happens. And, um, you know, just that was a huge fear, a financial fear. Yeah. um, So
1: we had to be like, is this even going to work? Like, we don't even know. But one by one, the doors started opening. We, his parents were able to come up and stay with the kids during the week. And then my mom was able to come up and she actually had us come stay with me. I had to have somebody with me 24-7. Your
2: babysitter. My
1: babysitter. So my mom was able to leave her work and do that, and then my dad was able to come for a week, and then my mom actually, she was, they were going to let her work from home, so she was going to be able to come back here and help me take care of the kids after the surgery, so things just started pointing us in that direction.
2: Because with this surgery, it's not like she she, she recovers, you know, you have a C-section, you know, you open your uterus, and then you have a baby that's still kicking and rolling around inside of there. So she was on extensive bed rest where she couldn't go up and down um, our stairs more than once a day. You know, she wasn't allowed to so, pick like, up our stand. kids, you know, or stand for long periods. Yeah, it was, um,
0: it was a how, how, many, uh, how many surgeries had this doctor done?
1: Uh, 48 at the time. Yeah, we were number yeah. 48. I
0: mean, that, that's important, um, you know, that at least they had done quite a few. And this guy's pretty world-renowned, is that correct?
1: Oh, yes. We are, we love him, but he moved to Orlando. So we and don't that's the neurosurgeon. The MFM,
2: yeah. Dr. Blastos, is phenomenal, too. So yeah, we had an two, amazing There's two different team. teams. There's an MFM team, which is for mom, and then there was a pediatric neurosurgery team, which was for Roman. So I think there was, like, 17 people in the OR on that five-hour-long surgery.
0: Kind of sounds like answered prayers to me. Like, uh, you know, you guys had this amazing faith. You went with it, and it looked like everything just kind of turned out the way it was supposed to.
1: It did. It, it really went well. Like, one of the big risks of having a fetal surgery is preterm labor. And I think at the time, St. Louis is, um, what what was their? I think it
2: was, like, 32 or... 33
1: weeks. Yeah. Like the average gestation after fetal surgery was like 33 weeks. So you're talking, you could have serious, um, Complications. Well, yeah. With Roman, like preterm labor and him being a pre premature baby. So he could have a lot of complications just from that. So, um, we were really, really blessed that he made it all the way to 36 weeks and three days
2: well yeah especially because she had contractions all the way through so as soon as she got home from the time we had the baby it was constant contractions me calling her how are the but how are the contractions
1: doing they weren't real contractions they were Braxton hicks contractions so my doctor was okay with me having those if they were real contractions i would have had to have a c section right then and there but he was okay with me having the braxton hicks contractions but still anything on the uterus at that time with an open or with a freshly healing scar
0: is. Well, I want to talk about that. So I want you guys to describe the actual surgery, just so that people know exactly uh, what you went through. Yeah, go
1: ahead.
2: So um, (laughs) basically what they do is it has to be done before 25 weeks gestation. And there's two different types there's a fetoscopic one where they do it in a little camera and they go in inside. And then there's the traditional, the original one that they were doing, but okay. yeah. So what it looks like is they basically open Whitney up from hip to hip. Uh, they pull their uterus out put a small incision in her uterus with these special type of sutures uh, that don't allow bleeding because the uterus is very vascular. So if you slice the uterus, it will, she'll bleed out within minutes um, of, of growing a baby. So they once they get what they find with an ultrasound where Roman's butt and back are. So once they get that position, they pull out the back and the butt, and then they have the pediatric neurosurgery team come in and they basically push his whole spinal cord back into his back, and then and you know suture up the you know all the different tissues, the muscles, the skin, you know everything from from that point, and then they sew Whitney back up and. Um, put her on, it's a blood pressure medication, I forget what it's called, but it helps prevent contractions. So she doesn't, is it going to contract? Because if she contracts, it can rip that incision. And then again, you'd have uterine rupture and she would bleed out and then we'd lose both of
1: them. Well, and right after the surgery, they had me on a magnesium drip, which if anybody has had that, it is terrible. Like you are so hot. I had a fan like blowing right in my face. It makes you sick. I mean, it was terrible, but and she'd
2: be having conversations with me and then just pass out, like right into it. So I'd be talking to her and I'd look over and she's asleep, which isn't that abnormal for a Harlan. But um, <laughs> truth to that, uh, that's, that's definitely an interesting. So interesting.
0: I've, got, I've got a question for you, because as I was researching it, even back then, I wondered this. And I, and I don't know if you guys have asked this question, but I, I'm dying to know. Um, do they feel like Roman had any pain when they were doing that surgery?
2: They gave him an injection. They did. So, you know, for all these things, and this is this can be I don't know, but you know they say that babies don't have pain and all of this stuff, and there's certain developmental stages. So Roman was one pound at 25 weeks.
1: No, I was 23 or 24 weeks yeah. when I had the surgery. So
2: he gets some of the the um, anesthesia that Whitney got, but they also give him a pain injection into his tiny little bud to help um, to help with pain too. So he definitely they said he. I don't know they're kind of weird about it but yeah he definitely has pain I mean all at that point your pain receptors are there like he can feel it
1: we just tried not to think about that because that is that's hard to think about your little baby you know there's nothing you can do
2: but honestly that was one of the selling points for me on doing the fetal repair is because he has an option to have brand new into life and anybody who's had a baby you know the, the first day is so crucial into their life um, so Brand new into life, he would have went in to have to go to surgery and then lay on his stomach for what, five, six, seven, eight, nine days until he's recovered. Um, for this option, he was able to have a surgery and go back in and recover and inside his home. mom, you know, and inside that loving, like innate environment that he that God gave him to to recover and so and to grow in. That's
0: just a miracle in and of itself. I love where you went down with that. Cause I, yeah, I would, I would think that same thing. I, I just had that curiosity cause I couldn't really find anything on it. Um, and, and I, I did figure that there was obviously pain receptors and I just wondered how they handled that. But yeah, that, um, that was something I was very, very curious about, but I love where you went with that. And, um, makes a whole lot of sense, right? He got to recover in probably the best hospital ever.
2: Yeah, He's
0: absolutely. inside the womb.
2: It's at God's hospital.
0: That's the God hospital, man. That's a good place. That's a good place to be if you got anything, right? No better yeah, place than the God hospital. When
1: I woke up, they do ultrasounds like all the time when you're, when I was in the hospital afterwards. And at the very first ultrasound, they saw him kicking. And they told us, don't expect him to kick. You know, his, what the nerves like go through. A, it's like a nerve a shock. shock.
2: So anytime you touch a nerve it like basically cripples that nerve for up to 24 hours.
1: Yeah. So they were like, you know, it's okay. Like we won't, we won't really know until like the 48 hour mark how he's doing, but just don't expect him to be kicking and moving around like he normally would. And we saw his little legs kicking and his feet moving. And so that was just like, it just, was like, okay, it was, I mean, it was worth it. He's doing good. He's, I don't know. It's just, it was a crazy experience.
0: Well, that's where I want to take the next segment. So the, up until surgery and even after surgery, did they give you a prognosis or was it just a real big guess? We, we don't really know.
2: I mean, they gave us the numbers and they still do the numbers a lot. So L3, this is what his function level is going to be, which is completely wrong because spina bifida is considered a snowflake condition. So even if you have the same lesion level, same everything, you're going to have your own specific set of circumstances. So um, for us, they tell us, you know, Oh, that his legs probably aren't kicking. They told us for our first ultrasound. Yeah. Their legs probably aren't kicking. It's probably just his body moving in the cerebral, or not the cerebral spinal fluid, the um, amniotic fluid, um, you know, creating this like optical illusion basically. So they they started us pretty low on the hope scale um, with that. But I think that's kind of their job, you know, is to give you the worst case scenario. So you kind of know what you're looking at.
1: And then having to have a shunt, which, um, I think the doctors told us when um, we met with the fetal surgery team before we even had surgery that he had a high chance of needing a shunt whether we did the fetal surgery or not because just because of how high his hydrocephalus already yeah, was at that point. Ventricles. So um, we kind of knew, I don't know, that wasn't one of our huge deciding factors, but so yeah, um, there was the brain damage. Um, Like I said about the Chiari, um, you could you have eating issues, breathing breathing issues, needing a trach, like speaking issues. I mean, just it's just a lot of unknowns. You could you could have this, you could have that. We just don't. Well,
0: tell me tell me where he's at now.
1: Uh, Now he's doing great. Um, He is definitely on level with his peers, if not above, um, with speaking and communication and. I mean,
2: everybody's shocked when they meet Roman uh, yeah. and kind of know where he's at. And that's one of the biggest comments we get from people on his page is how old is this kid? Uh, he does. He's super smart. He puts things together really well. So it's not like he's just speaking. He understands kind of what he's talking about. And he's a really, he's a, he's just a great thinker, uh, which is
0: awesome to see. You, you can see that in the video. Um, it, one of the last ones that he did, as you were putting together his breakfast sandwich, uh, he nailed English muffin. And uh, when you ask what kind of bread it was, I was sitting there thinking to myself, "What do you call that?" Oh yeah, he just totally nails English muffin.
1: I know. I was like, "What?" The
0: stuff he shocks me with. Like you
1: know? he he listens. Like he hears us say that, and he remembers it. It's not like we were like, "This is an English muffin, Roman." You know, it's just he just picks up on stuff, and and
2: well, it's just like him introducing every video that he does when he's like, "Hi guys, that's her." That's <laughs> yes. her for every video. So he sees <laughs> that, and now he knows that's what he's supposed to say when when he starts those off
0: does he uh tell me tell me kind of a, a average daily routine for him though how about his bladder his bowel walking yeah.
1: so he does have bladder bladder and bowel issues but that does not mean that he's going to have to wear a diaper his whole life um there are many many options for him in this day and age and we are very blessed to have those options so right now he just turned four um he does wear a diaper for his bladder. Um, he, His bladder and kidneys are very healthy, which is really good because with one hand of spina bifida, you can have unhealthy kidneys and bladders and have to take medication. On the other hand, you can have really healthy kidneys and bladders, but that means that he's peeing all the time. And you're not able
2: to hold your urine at all.
1: Yeah. So he does have to wear diapers for that, um, but he does a bowel routine every night um basically we flush out his bowels and he goes to the bathroom in the toilet and then he doesn't need to use the bathroom again for 24 hours until the next night when we do it so he does not
2: he doesn't have accidents in his pants
1: yeah
0: yeah which is good yeah. i mean that's good for him we, being able to go to school
2: to have you know what i mean so that's
1: well and we were when we i don't remember who we were talking to i i think it was actually the urologist um she said back in the day you could tell when you were on the spina bifida floor because it it it's the smell and you know as sad as that is um and that that was a big issue not just for people because they were having to wear diapers but socially so that um is one of the things that has changed so much over the years and one of the things that we don't have to worry about with him um and then with his bladder we do have options um we're not Quite ready to pursue those options yet um, because it will probably require medication and some other things that uh, we don't really feel as necessary right now at this time. Um, we'll definitely get a handle on that before he starts kindergarten and is old enough to be like aware now, are
0: there any more surgeries that he might need?
2: There's always a risk you know um, and it's something I, I don't think there's more than a couple of days to go by that I don't think about it, but there's a tethered cord surgery, so what happens? When he, you know, when he gets his back repaired, his um, once you get to your lumbar spine, your spinal cord is not a cord anymore. It's it's called equina. It looks like a bunch of hairs. So what happens when they get the all fused up is those those little cords can get stuck in the scar tissue. So when they grow taller, it gets stuck, and he starts to lose nerve function. So um, you know he could just randomly one day not be able to walk. Or not, it's slow, but you know his legs That's get nice. weaker his, you know, his bowels become different, you know, just different symptoms become different. Um, And then they go in and they have to, you know, basically untangle those cords and, and fix it, which is a, not a fun surgery for kids to go through because they're not able to, at his age, from him having to lay on his stomach for how long does it usually? I don't
1: know.
2: Like well, I try to a few think days. about it. Yeah, but it's, it's not easy, you know, sedate your kids so they don't move so they can heal.
1: And not only that, but going in there and messing with those nerves, you could easily damage more nerves and then he could have more more damage where he can't walk anymore um so it's that's a super scary surgery that we've been afraid of pretty much since we got his diagnosis
2: well and then his, his hydrocephalus so he at three months old he had um his brain just kept growing and growing and growing roman had a very big head when he was little uh so they did a procedure that was pretty new um our neurosurgeon he loved it it was his baby Um, It's called the endoscopic third ventriculostomy, or an ETV for short. But they basically go in and drill a little hole in the base of the brain to help the fluid drain. uh, So you wouldn't need any actual hardware inside your body. Because the other option for uh, hydrocephalus is called a VP shunt, like we've talked about a couple of times, where they put a tube inside your head and it runs down into the abdominal cavity for his particular one. Um, that it drains the cerebral spinal fluid, and then your body absorbs it and flushes it out. So that was way more scary for us because there's a lot of repairs that have to go with that. Um,
1: you you know, it's kids, hardware. Yeah, you see kids get their shunt and then they have two weeks later, they have to have another surgery. A month later, they have to have another surgery. I mean, it's just, it, it can be terrible. And they say every single time you go into the brain, you, like, lose IQ points. points. So... It's really I mean that was really scary. We wanted to do everything in our ability so he would not have to have a shunt. We were terrified of his shunt. Yeah.
2: That was something. I mean, I remember we measured his head with those little paper tape measures. Um We measured his head multiple times a day.
1: It was obsessive. I
2: mean, it would call anything changed, it change?
1: And then we had to look for these different signs in him. And when he's a baby, he can't talk to us. He can't tell us how he's feeling. I mean, we just had to guess.
2: Yeah. Sun setting, which is your eyes dropping down um, and vomiting, you know, crying. So babies spit up. They do weird things with their eyes. They cry like regular stuff. But every single thing that he did, we had to wonder if it was a normal thing or it was a spina bifida thing. It was constant with that, too. That whole too.
1: first year, we lived in fear. Awful. I mean, it was, it was bad.
0: And I kind of I want to go down that road um, for a second. I remember there was one, he was having headaches, and, and you guys got uh, concerned about the, the shunt.
1: Yeah, so he had the surgery that um, Adam was talking about, and I think it was like six months later after that, um, his neurosurgeon decided that, he needed a shunt. That surgery just wasn't doing quite enough for him. Uh, and he
2: did like a cognitive, a behavioral and cognitive evaluation with yeah. somebody, I forget what it was called, but he tested, I mean, it was average. A yeah, couple of things were a little bit below average, but our neurosurgeon was like, you know, I don't want him, I want him to be at the top of the class. I don't want him to struggle through school. So I think
1: like,
2: it's yeah. time to pull the, pull the trigger and, and do the sh- and get the shunt placed.
1: Yes. Yeah, so at nine months old, he got the shunt and like i said we were so scared we thought if he ever got a shunt that we would be we wouldn't be able to live our life because we would constantly be living in fear but once he got the shunt it was like the total opposite we yeah. could finally relax we didn't have to measure his head all the time we didn't have to stare at him and be like is this normal like instead of looking at our baby we're looking at him evaluating him like constantly so it was just like such a sigh of relief to get the shunt and something that we never do. We yeah. feel so relieved about, but thankfully he's had it now for three years. I mean, almost. Yeah. yeah. And he has been doing amazing. He has had no issues. He,
2: but there's still, you know, worries and concerns. I mean, there's like you were talking about earlier about a headache, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't really realize when your kids say you have a headache, it's like, oh, okay, well he must've been dehydrated or, you know, something. But with Roman, it's like, oh my gosh, what's this? Or we really hope that he's always the second kid to get the stomach flu at our house. Because if he's the first one, then we're like, holy crap, he's barfing for no reason. You know, what are we going to do here?
1: And that's a sign of
2: pressure in the brain. brain. You know, it's like every appointment that you go to, you're just still concerned that he might have hydrocephalus buildup, like, or MRIs or anything that you're working with. So it's...
1: And when he gets an MRI... um, the kind of shunt he has is um, a magnetic shunt. So any type of strong magnet can change the setting in his shunt. And it has to be super strong, like an MRI. So when he gets an MRI, they have to change the settings back to where it was before. And if they don't change the settings properly, it can cause him to either overdrain, where too much fluid is coming out of his shunt, or
2: you build, back, build up.
1: back up. So they need to be right where they are supposed to be. Well, at his last MRI, the nurse read the x-ray wrong, and long story short, put a shot at the wrong setting.
2: Like the complete opposite setting that it should be.
1: Right. So he was over-draining really bad, and it was causing him to have these excruciating headaches. Like He would just scream bloody murder, and there's nothing you can do. You can't give him ibuprofen, and it, it'd be better. Like There's literally nothing you can do. So we went through a couple of days of just watching him be like that before we were like, this is not right. And we were communicating
2: back back and forth with the hospital. They told us this was not related. And
1: And that he would adjust. And we finally were like, no, this is not. But
2: I'm the one who calls every neurosurgeon or nurse practitioner that's there to figure out their answer and what's going on. And getting on the phone with our nurse practitioner from St. Louis and our neurosurgeon in Orlando. And it's like, you know, (laughs) this is my life with this to make sure that everybody knows what's going on because we've, we've just heard so much. We know a lot about this and sometimes the the physicians, they don't know your kid. They don't know what's normal for him. So for us, you have, we just, we take a lot of pride, especially me as being the advocate, you know, for that person and uh, to have to do this because.
1: You have to be their voice because they don't, especially at Roman's age, he doesn't have a voice. He doesn't know. So you have to fight for, I mean, you. we could have just been like, okay, well, he's just going to have headaches. But I mean, we were like, no, this is not right. We are coming back in. You're going to change his shunt setting. He's not going to adjust. I think like, we went
2: three times. Yeah.
1: And finally they got it right. And he good now.
0: Just for the record, I would have probably learned three or four different languages because I'm just like you, Adam. I'd, I'd have been calling people from other countries be like, all right, he's got a headache for two days. Tell me what's going on here. It, it just freaks me out. Tell me about his, um, is he susceptible to anything, uh, having spina bifida, such as, again, you talk about colds. Obviously, we're in the world of COVID right now. Well, um, the
2: thing about upper respiratory is he's, he went to the hospital for RSV when he was about two,
1: uh-huh.
2: maybe. And then he also went to the hospital for um, influenza at one point. But he, um, he you know, the, a big part of our respiration is in our core. And when Roman has a very weak core because of his nerve issues, he doesn't get that good deep in and out. And then you throw on the fact that he doesn't run around as much like a typical four-year-old or three-year-old, you know, that when you have a lung issue, you're breathing in and out, you're running and playing still. He doesn't do that. Especially when he's sick, his legs get really weak and he doesn't want to walk at all. So then all that stuff just sits in your lungs. So for Corona or COVID or whatever, um, you know, we have a little bit of concern with him because obviously this is something that could be affected. Um, but the other concern that I, that we had was when they were talking about all of these ventilators being full and them having to make decisions on who was going to be put on a ventilator, um, when this all began, you know, since Roman has special needs, I don't know if that would have put him to the bottom of the list on that, but that's also, also something that irrational fear that was there, but something to think about with that.
1: Yeah. But other, I mean, really though, he's not, he has a healthy immune system. He is healthy and he gets things and fights them off just like our other kids do. Um,
0: So let's tell you what, let's jump to the fun part, the feel good about this. So you're, you're videotaping him and his dog Maggie's with him. Tell me about that seven second video or nine seconds, whatever it was.
1: Yeah. Um, So I am like, I video my kids and put them on Facebook all the time because I think they're the most adorable things in the world. So as always, I was videoing Roman and he was learning how to walk with his forearm crutches. He was um, two? Yeah. No, he was like one.
2: It was last year, so yeah.
1: No, he was like one and almost one and a half. And so, right? hang on
2: a second. So I don't believe, I think he was two because he's four now.
1: Okay.
0: He is your child, right?
2: I think, yeah.
1: I'm not good with numbers.
2: Sorry. I'm I'm the birthday. Remember, that's why all of our kids have holiday birthdays, by the way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Okay. So he was two. Um, He, we, okay. So I'm like really impatient. So I am like constantly working with him and being like, what can we do next? What is our next milestone? What are we going to do? So um, we would do therapy all the time in the house. Um, We were just constantly working on things. And so I was like, oh my gosh, he can maybe walk with forearm crutches. Like we, um, we got him a walker and he immediately picked up on that and knew how to use his walker. So I was like, well, maybe these forearm crutches will work. And everyone was telling me, um, probably not, you know, he's not quite old enough. He won't understand. Um, it's really, it's a hard thing for them to learn. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to learn it. So we were working really hard and, um, he was starting to get the hang of it. And so I was videoing like every single time he practiced with them. So I was videoing this and we would always have him walk in our hall upstairs. Cause that was like our straight, our longest straight point. And so he was walking down the hall, and Maggie, who was always right beside him, was right beside him, and he was actually walking for, like, the first time all on his own, and he was just so proud of himself, and he was like, look, Maggie, I'm walking, Maggie. Look, Maggie. I'm walking, Maggie. And it was, like, the cutest thing with the cutest voice, and he was so proud of himself, and... So I posted it on Facebook, just like I always do onto his Facebook page. And it just went crazy.
2: Oh yeah. It exploded quick.
1: Yeah.
0: I tell you what, you guys actually owe me money because uh, I lost a lot of money that day in the office. Um, My office manager, uh, she'd come back and she'd be like, they've got 10,000 views on this thing. Five minutes later, like there are 50,000 views on this thing. I didn't even really know what that was as social media at the time, but then all of a sudden it's a hundred thousand, 500,000. I'm like, what in the world? So the whole day I kept hitting refresh to see what the heck was going on. Cause I've heard of things going viral before and so on and so forth. But, uh, oh my gosh, that was, that was a whole day of my life. That was actually a whole lot of fun. Just watching that go crazy.
1: We were texting like my dad back and forth. He'd like, tell me the numbers and, like, we would just look at our phone. We wouldn't even have to refresh it. And the shares were going up by 10s, 20s, 30s. I mean, for days in a row. Uh, like, we were like, it's going up by 200 now. Just every day. <laughs> well, and this was,
2: this was his own page. Mm-hmm. Because we, um, we started a Facebook page for him when he was right before his ETV surgery at three months. Because we wanted to kind of separate out our lives. So if people didn't want to hear all the updates, they didn't have to. Um, but so he had his own page defying odds at that point. Um, so that's where all this was shared off of and then the shares, but then the messages started coming in and that I think was probably the most like kind of heartwarming things to see on how many people were just so inspired by him and how many, we had multiple people. I was getting ready to commit suicide and I saw this video of this little boy and it just gave me hope, you know, that I'm able to to push through this. And that was a pretty regular occurrence that we've seen or, you know,
1: people with spina bifida being like, I haven't picked up my crutches in so long, but he has inspired me. I'm going to try to start walking again. And I mean, just so many messages of just like, I mean, people
2: thinking about terminating their babies and not yeah. doing it you know and one of the coolest things to look at now is you know i remember the first time i googled spina bifida in kids or something like that to see you know and it's just it, it was filled with kind of these like web md and wikipedia definitions and you see kind of all the worst of the worst situation now if you type in spina bifida toddler it's roman
0: yeah so yeah you just,
2: all a Roman. You know, it's like head because his SEO with Google is top notch to say. Well the and it's least. just
1: so awesome that we know other parents just like us are Googling this stuff when they get their diagnosis and they get to see Roman and they get to see, Oh my gosh, like he's a he's a typical kid, like he's a normal kid, like he isn't spina bifida. Like that's that's all you can think about when you get that diagnosis and to see that he's just like a normal kid. I mean, it's gotta just give you so much hope for your kid.
0: You know, I'll say it since you won't, he's also adorable. Of course, <laughs> that certainly doesn't hurt, but yeah. you know, you know, what is, uh, what is really wild is I, I was in, um, I was in my practice and this went on for quite some time, but, uh, people would come to me and say, Oh man, have you seen this, this kid named Roman? Like, uh, what do you know about spina bifida? And I said, well, what do you want to know? Cause, um, uh he's my great nephew and that is that what he is to me yeah yeah is that how that works yes
2: mitch that uh, stuff happened in my office too people would come in and ask me about this little boy yeah and then it was my kid you know <laughs>
0: what, what do you say to that when they're like hey have you seen this kid with spina still it's am
2: super awkward talking yeah, we about it they're
1: like oh we were at costco the other day getting gas and this lady was like are you roman's mom and i was like yeah. she was like <laughs> Oh my gosh. And he happened to be in the car with me and, well, they all were. And I was like, you can come say hi to him. So I rolled down the windows and she was just like starstruck. And it was so, it's so, we're so awkward. We're like, yeah, that's it. I mean, we don't know what to say. It's just, it's really, Because who's
2: boobs prepared for this? You know, we didn't try to become influencers on Facebook or YouTube or anything like that. This was all an accident and it just kind of blew up. And now we love it because, it's there's so much negativity on the Internet, especially with what we're dealing with now. It's constant arguing, constant people with just these hateful things to say. And then we have Roman, you know, this like
1: beam Random of love. You know what I'm not
0: I mean? and, uh, I'm really not sure that it's uh, I don't know if it was uh, luck or or whatever you think. I, I think all those prayers you guys did, people praying for you, that that incredible faith that you had. Uh, you know, what? it's got to be divine intervention to me.
2: Absolutely. I mean to and not always,
1: see Yeah, and I always say like, you know, a lot of people you get bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen all the time. And a lot of times you just you have faith that it happened for a reason. You don't know why, but you just have to believe it happened for a reason. So for us to be able to get to see these people telling us that they didn't commit suicide or, you know, that they have so much hope, Roman pulled them out of a dark depression like Like we get to see that other side. Like we got the terrible diagnosis and we thought it was the end of the world. And then we get, we get this side of it, you know, and a lot of people don't get to see that happy ending.
2: Absolutely. And it's, it's crazy to show just, you know, God's promises, you know, because it hurt. And there's a lot of times that, you know, I, you still go through hard times and you know, there's going to be hard times and God doesn't promise you that you're not going to have hard times but to show the other side and to see the other side of this it just gives you hope for the future too on like we're going to go through things like this it's going to happen but to see you know look what god did with this you know look what god did with prayer look what god did you know with with his health and with all these blessings and even me being a chiropractor you know we we work with a lot of pediatrics in our office and just seeing that the chiropractic miracle aspect of it, you know, there's something we don't even talk a whole lot. We, um, Mm -hmm. guess I don't ever want to make this about promoting my business and I never have from the get go, but you know, to see what chiropractic's done in that little boy and to see when he has a shunt headache, he gets an adjustment and the headache goes away when he's a little wobbly, you can do a little bit of pelvic work on him and it strengthens his legs up and he gets going a little bit better constipation, ear infections, all these little things that you see with him, you get to see that, you know, why God gave a chiropractor a son with a neurotube defect that's a spine condition. That's pretty ironic And just that. You know. It what sure I, is. So it sure it's, is. it's see that. And I just remember making phone calls to all these big pediatric doctors and being like, How like Tim, you know, how do I how do I fix this stuff? How do I help him? You know? That was everyone
1: tells you, no, he cannot get adjusted. Like oh yeah. you you have to stay away from chiropractors and we're like
2: He's been adjusted since he was the in the May, NICU, back. an hour old, you know, and that's um that's something that we see a lot, and we try to promote. Any comment on Facebook in a Spina Bifida group that talks about chiropractic, Whitney gets tagged in almost immediately, so she can kind of, if we can find the right chiropractors for them, and still most people are terrified to bring their kids to a chiropractor, but um you know it's the least we can do to help.
0: You know, that's what you guys have done. I think you've helped so many people. And you know what? It kind of started as a spina bifida, but man, this kid's taking this whole thing to a whole new level. It's about everything now. I mean, he's an inspiration for fun, for happiness, for joy, keeps people out of these things. And that's got to be kind of cool.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. fun. It's so fun.
0: Well, I tell you what, guys, um, just knowing you both. Um, You guys have done a magnificent job. Um, You can't ever stop posting that stuff. You have to, and I think he's gotta do it all the way up until he's an an old man. Um, Everybody's gonna follow him. Uh, Wanna see kinda how he turns out and what ends up happening with him, but uh, I can't just, I I just wanna tell you guys so, I'm so, so, so proud of you for, for listening, you know, your faith, everything that you've done. It obviously turned out this way for a reason. And, uh, God, I just couldn't be more proud of you guys.
1: Thank you. Well, thank you. That means a
0: lot. And I'm not just saying that because I'm related to you either. <laughs> and, and, for, and for those watching, because I have to throw this in, and because there are people that, that do uh, watch the videos and watch how he walks. And it's not 100% spina bifida with that walk. A little bit of that is dinkle. He's got a little dinkle gait. He's got dinkle, dinkle gait in him.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh my god. god. I had to do that. that in.
0: It you know there, was, there was, was no way I was leaving that. Leaving that.
2: <laughs> I guess I walk weird. I don't notice it because I feel like it's a normal way to walk. So, um all my kids are blessed with that one cool stride. <laughs> I think grace got okay. my stride. That's a praise God. <laughs>
0: you, you guys are going to have a million hits wanting to see you walk from behind and I think you should absolutely do that video otherwise it's yeah. a disservice.
2: VIP. That's how it is. Yeah.
0: All right. Thank you guys so much. I love you both immensely. You know that. uh, And keep sharing it to the world.
1: Thank you. We love you, too.
0: All right. We'll talk to you. Bye-bye, guys.
1: Bye. Bye.